Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DLC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z-Man. What up, yo? This is E-Shot. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy, DJ Paul K-O-L for 360 Young Dizzy Bone. Vice World. This your man, Mastermind, and Hell Razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. DJing. This is my seventh grade year at probably a very popular high school. 
um, one of the most popular, I mean, junior high schools, right around the corner from Graceland, Elvis Presley. So I'm at Graceland Junior High at the time. And I saw this movie, um, Wild Style, and Grandmaster Flash was in the kitchen cutting up a record by the Headhunters called God Made Me Funky. God made me, I think that's the name of the record, God made me so funky, something like that. But Flash was cutting it up, and I had never seen nothing like that. I don't come from a music family or anything. Yeah. But that's where the bug came from, originally. Yeah, and that that was uh, you know in the early '80s as well. Um, that was something that I, I think that was before um, <clears throat> that was before Beach the uh, and, and, and Crush Groove and all that. Yeah. Yeah, Crush Groove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's how I called it. I don't know what why God put me in this room to see this little part of a movie because there was no DJs around. Nobody in my music, in my family had you know, um, anything to do with music. Um, I just caught the bug on the wham, and I think that was what I was supposed to do, man. So I was a baby, 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, you just uh, immediately um, caught the bug and uh, haven't been stopping since, man. Uh, congratulations, first and foremost, on your longevity in the game because, you know, you've been putting it down, you know, for many years, and you helped pave the way in Memphis uh, for others to do what they did. Um, who were some of the earlier, uh, you know, MCs that you noticed that that you thought um, really had the challenge to take it to the next level? Oh yeah, that's easy. So I just told you about the seventh grade. So the yeah. eighth grade summer, me going into the ninth grade, I had already started DJing, but this guy moved to my neighborhood. Um, he played drums, man. His name was Winston. And he went to a um, neighboring junior high school and had heard about me. But at a summer party, I wasn't even doing this particular party. We met, and he said he was moving to my neighborhood and coming to Grayson for my ninth grade year. And so he was playing drums, and I never knew really good rappers and one day he borrowed my equipment and he went and recorded a demo on an old school tough rock record. And so he became Tila. We had an early rap group called Second Level, me, Tila, and a guy named Cody Mack, and which eventually led to Gangster Pat, DJ Paul, Lord Infamous. A couple of people spun off from that little thing with Gangster Pat coming into Second Level. And us starting the group, I mean, with me, Teela, and Cody and Gangster Pat. Gangster Pat came later. It was me, Teela, and Cody in second level. But Teela told me about Gangster Pat. And we went and got him and started recording him and brought him in. And later, he was the first one to blow from Memphis. So the MCs that I had in my circle was Teela, Gangster Pat, and DJ Paul. I met DJ wow. Paul through Gangster Pat when I was DJing for him on his early run when he had number one suspect out. So one thing led to another. You asked me about that period, and it became Tilo. Um, of course, he went to the left here and eight ball, and them got him on and Suave and the rap a lot. Whole that thing I produced and engineered for him and Paul on different subjects, uh, different albums and stuff. So Gangster Pat, DJ Paul. 
and Tila is my answer to early MCs that came across my microphone as a DJ. Nobody really was rapping and rapping, nor DJing was cool at this time. So anybody that did it for a 50-mile radius, you knew them because there wasn't that many people into DJing and especially rapping at that time. So, yeah. yeah. What a crew of guys, though, because every one of them, like you said, Pat went on, he signed with Atlantic, and then uh, Tila and everybody blew yeah, up. Yeah, he signed, um, yeah. Um, um, he was with Joy Boy at first. Atlantic picked that album up while we was on the road. Joy Boy. I, yeah, Joy Boy. That's who had, that's, he signed. Joy Boy was a label out of Florida. Rod Kenny, rest in peace, and Alan Johnston had going on. And they signed Gangsta Pat first and a couple of Memphis rappers like uh, Gangsta Pat, Radical T, Endo G. All that stuff came on Joy Boy, which was an early bass record out of Miami. Bass label that had some Memphis connections from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I remember they, and, uh, Rod, they Rod had Kenny, like the Rod dog. Kenny had something to do. Uh, yeah, Rod Kenny from Joy Boy. He was on Von Mason, Bounce Rock Skate, and he told me one time, he, he did now, but he used to live in Memphis, and he had connections by the time I got in radio, about 88, 10th grade, and started doing a national syndicated show. I met other people from the hat in other places that still had a Memphis connection. So it was, it was a wide thing that made this thing happen, and I had older people I was blessed and fortunate to have older people to take me up under their wings, like Sonny D, Jackson Brown, you know, a couple of people saw some things in me, and I was blessed to work with some other great talents that that's not famous rappers, you know. Yeah, people that, uh, you know, they got that love for the music just like yourself. What about... Um you know, as far as uh, DJs, you know, uh, what did you think of, like, uh, uh, deep rest in peace, DJ Ready Red um, or Mr. Mix? Both of those guys were real good at sampling and, and, and scratching. I mean, those guys were just phenomenal. Whenever I got a two-live crew record, I'd look Mr. for that Megamix track first. Oh, you talking about out of two-live crew? Yeah, they was the originals. Because Memphis, um, we didn't we bounced off New York. Yeah. It was a unique market for many reasons, and a lot of people don't understand this about Memphis. Is that we got the best from East Coast, up north, and down south. It's the Mid South area, so it's a lot of influences that you got. And me being a DJ growing up in Memphis, I got all of those. Um, Florida influences, L.A., New York, Chicago, um, New Orleans, Houston, Dallas, you know, it's Miami. So with the South being so connected like that and a lot of independent labels at the time, I got a lot of influences, you know. Gangsta Walk records and music came from early records that wasn't made in Memphis. You know, they was mostly made in New York, Miami, L.A., you know. So if a DJ was playing music in Memphis and Memphis developed a style, it was off the music that was out at the time because we weren't making records then. We just started selling Car Serio 
places and everything selling cassettes. That was later on, but early on, we only had the greats from the West Coast, East Coast, down South, and up North to pick from. So being influenced by all those genres and different regions versus one, Memphis is a hotbed between Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi, and in five mile, five hundred mile radius around the city, it's a region. So it's really a very important place with distribution and everything. So Memphis is a great place to grow up <laughs> for music. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like I said in the beginning of the show, there's just so much talent in the city. It, it's kind of like a mid south bay area, you know what I mean? Just packed yes. full of dope artists. Well, well, days. not yeah, yeah, it's bigger than the style. bay area. Just say like New York It's like a New York, Chicago, L.A. Yeah. When you get the mix of the people in different cultures, and you start crossing the Mississippi River, you know, think about radio and TV. Radio and TV call themselves on the West Coast K. And on the other side of the Mississippi, they call it Delta on the east. I mean, W. W and K splits up the radio frequencies and TV frequencies. So west of the Mississippi is K, KW, FM, whatever. And east of the Mississippi is W. So we write along the lines that split even TV and radio with the Mississippi. And it's just a distribution place a hotbed for Isaac Hayes, Al Green, B.B. King, all those Elvis Presley that come from Tupelo, Mississippi, B.B. King from Mississippi, Al Green from Arkansas, Isaac Hayes from up in Covington, Tennessee. You just, uh, you know, it's a hotbed for people to want to come to the biggest city in the region to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Beale Street, I mean, uh, you go back town. to Rufus. Yeah, you, you you know, WDIA being the first black radio station in Bill Street, where it was in the 30s, I was blessed to have older parents to tell me. My dad lived on Bill Street. So I, wow. I was blessed to just hey, hear stories about that. Nobody musical in my family, but just to have an, a dad that old that lived on Bill Street before. You hear the stories of like, man, they said... <laughs> If you can be a black man on Bill Street in those days, just one night, it was worth it, you know. (laughs) So you just think of B.B. King, Elvis Presley. Most people that I try to talk to about music and doing music, I would just tell them who did it bigger than, like, Elvis in the 50s. And he did it right here from the Mid-South, running the whole country. Sun Records. And. Yeah, some who 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 was doing it? It's some answers to people that that was doing it that big. But I'm just talking about just take Elvis from what fifty four to sixty four, then pick up the blues and stacks around the sixties. You know, it's just like from one thing to another. It was a hotbed. It, it still is. And you can look at the rappers now. Influenced by it. Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all the whole music about what ten years ago, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, when they pick up that old Memphis sound from the nineties that we used to do here, I was like, wow, it came back. You know, somebody was listening, somebody you know appreciated, somebody wanted, you know. So 
even yeah. rest in peace takeoff. That you know, I've been I've been really messed up because takeoff, man. That's yeah, that's horrible situation. Because man. the whole Migos thing, I, I'm sorry, I you know I think that's old Memphis, Lord Infamous, rest in peace. I think that's Lord Infamous style. So yeah. I look at them as an old to Memphis, like so they kind of really mess with me on takeoff. That, yeah, that the way situation. it went down is just uh, horrible. Sense was lost, man. So, and Young Dolph, him, I'm going to tell you the ones that touched me. Young Dolph was the first one that really touched me out of all of them. And then I have never met Takeoff, but just seeing him and they group rapping like Lord Infamous from back in the day, it was, I was celebrated from the sideline from you guys. You know, so to think of somebody would do that to the young, you know, man, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, Dolph, uh, I remember uh, when he was just coming out, Squeaky was on here telling us about him. And um, Yeah, Squeaky, yeah. my guy. Squeaky, Dolph used to come. I did Hot 107 in Memphis. I did radio for years here. And I had moved away in 2015, went to L.A., and then went to Minnesota, came back here. I'm not really into the radio thing anymore, but when I was doing radio from, um, man, vocally from 20, 2000 to th- 2016 was the second time I did, no, the third time I did radio in Memphis. So when, during those years, I would do a weekend show on High 107 here, and, I, and Dolph came over. And Squeaky told him to come talk to me or whatever Squeaky told him. But he sat there the whole four hours I was there, and I met him at another gig that I was doing with high school students. And that guy really had it as superstar. Like, I saw how the kids looked up to him, and there was something in him I hadn't seen in a long time. And yeah. that hurt me first. And then take off second, that that makes me say, man, I ain't got much time. I need to tell this story before I go because, you know, if they're going to kill takeoff, I can only imagine what they'll do to me. Yeah, man, it's it's horrible. You know, we, we feel a lot of loss here on the show. Like, we became good friends with DJ Ready Red, uh, Fresh Kid Ice. I didn't Ice. know, well, Ray, I, I, Fresh Kid Ice was my guy, Chris, Chinaman. I yeah, knew they in yeah. Florida in the 90s and went to um, recording engineering school at Full Sail. But I was on the radio, and I got to know Chinaman, Chris Wong. You know, actually, that was my guy. Red Red, I had to see a picture of him and remember him from those days. That's a blur to me. But Fresh Kid Ice was my guy. Red is the he guy come who to Memphis a lot. first sampled Scarface uh, with balls of my word on the uh, Ghetto Boys. But if you remember... Um, you remember the album they did with the four mug shots? He was the guy sideways. Oh, um, who, what what album? Ghetto Boys. Whose album? The Ghetto Boys. Ghetto Boys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was the... Uh, oh, Red and Red, okay. Yeah, well, yeah was, uh, he, that's H-Town, see. And Red and Red was from... Oh, okay, I know you're talking about now. He was from New York. But no, I'm talking about... Uh, um, he sampled the balls of my word, but... No, the Memphis Gangster Walk thing, that was a Gangster Walk record, but it was built off something else versus that. That's Houston, you know. Houston, Houston, great love, but Memphis got, when it came with the Gangster Walk era and the music we were playing in the early 90s, 
Yeah, that was a part of it, but it was so many other great MC twists. People probably don't talk about that on Luke Records. I like it loud. From you San know, Jose Records. Or from San Jose, yeah, from Luke Records. Yeah, uh, yeah MC that was and the Death Squad. Yeah, yeah, those songs. So it was a big, it was a, it was a lot of records that went into a sound that one that was greater than one person. Not to discredit nobody, but talking about yeah, there's a lot of know. elements involved. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot, um, yeah, it's it's just. Did you uh, MC Twist? Did you hear his second album? I think it came out in '90. Uh, Bad no, Influence. we only played one record by him and never played nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah, he was a, he was a talented <laughs> artist, man. Um, now that record went with what we was doing with our sound, and nobody really played nothing else with him. Yeah. Did you play uh, Poison Clan? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the girl that I love to hate. That first one, and second with your mama gay and JT. Yeah, you, that whole Florida influence is just like like a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can walk you down through those records. For, for as long as you can talk, but yeah, I was gonna say, I imagine you got a good collection. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, when I moved back here in, in nineteen, right before COVID, I'm 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 getting it all together. I had I started back. I stopped collecting records. I started in nineteen eighty four. I stopped in two thousand five. And 2015, 10 years later, I started all over again, but I started traveling doing it. So I did them all in L.A. Shake, <coughs> excuse me, everywhere I would go. That's how I learned big yeah. cities, Chicago, New York. I learned about record shops. Yeah, yeah, Chicago. You said uh, George's Music Room. I imagine you've been there. Oh yeah, Memphis got influenced off Chicago. I played house music early on, so yeah, that's what I mean about uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I know that. That's my guy. Like my Chicago connection is kind of crazy. Even you mentioned him, Fast Eddie. I know him and Larry Heard and Mr. Fingers live in Memphis. Oddly enough, as we're talking about. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that that history well, up there. Most is, of Chicago is, is only too. Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Chicago ain't not but Mississippi. People yeah, oh yeah, more. yeah. A lot of a uh, lot of a lot of cats from Mississippi and Chicago, and there's a lot of uh, uh, you, you can hear the influence, man. When you when you listen to uh, like the Snipers or Children of the Ghetto or uh, Twister and some of them guys, and you listen to the Rapid Fire guys down in Memphis, they got that, you know. Similar style, just the beats are a little bit different. That's all. Um, just for we're gonna go to a track real quick. This one here is featuring uh, Kobe, uh, Al Capone, Apo, and MJG. Uh, tell us about this one, brother. Um, that was a when I was on Magic One on One back in the day, KJMS in Memphis here from '91 to about '96. I had a um, mix show on Fridays and Saturdays. I was probably the second one big big DJ here to have mixtapes uh, and mix mixes on the radio every Friday and Saturday. So when I was doing that mix on Saturday night, I decided my to make an intro song to my show, and I came up with this idea to put 
you know, rappers on my intro talking about myself. And I, it, there's only three different ones. This was the second one I did, and if he start off with Cody Mack that came from second level with me and Tila, then you got Al Capone, A-Ball, MJG at the end. But um, this is theme song from my mix show, KJMS 1991-92, old school flavor, man. Go ahead and play it. Be right back with DJ Just Born. Don't go nowhere. Once again, it's on. The man DJ Just Born in the house with the unfavorable remix. Taking no favors. Got my man Cody in the house. Kick that, kick that. It's Friday night at a convenience store. I'm with my crook. Five O sweating us for IG because we purchased a broke. And he knew that we was over the age of 21. He just wanted to stop me because he was fucking his feet. So I said, cop, take a seat, mister. It's 10 o'clock, the man just born's on the mixer. His tricks are tricks. Never weak because he sleeps on a sucker that ain't big enough to comprehend what he blends together. Because getting four dope lyricists was damn clever. But whatever my brother does, it's got to be dope for the man's going to be broke. Just born, can you cope with the situation? It's going to be a lot of jealous suckers imitating your style, your technique. But to me, them suckers is still weak. As too late, just born, they should get paid. We'll stick with the tray, yo. Straight from the level, we be kicking them back loudly. You heard it from the man, Cody. I'm out of It's on, back in it for the remix, the man DJ Just Vaughn, got my homeboy up next, I can prom, about to take you on the musical, or a lyrical drive-by. DJ Just Vaughn is driving Kicking that fat. 
wait a minute, wait a minute. history right there man we got dj just born right here on the murder master music show this is episode 916 um huge honor to have you on here that that's got to bring back some memories for you huh yeah that got me right there <laughs> i hadn't heard that one in a couple of years but yeah that was um my intro you know for um saturday that he said friday that was my friday night show intro but man, I'm glad I recorded that. Another one is Skinny Pimp is ninety six. That was ninety one, ninety two, what you just played, but the next time I really talk and what people know me for is talking on the beginning of One Life to Live by Skinny Pimp oh, and yeah. Six Mafia. Yeah. So that yeah. was the other than that was the next record I made, but back then it was just my mixtape, so I would get these guys, my friends, to rap on a mixtape or my radio show as an intro or whatever to promote myself who was popping in the town at the time, you know, so yeah, my next thing, I was blessed to be fortunate to talk on that song and people people know me from that one and Where's the Bud by um Lord Infamous Rest in Peace. That song yeah, that yeah. was a song I, I, I engineered and recorded that so couple of little other little piece missing pieces that we, we, we hadn't covered or got to, but I'm just telling you the songs that people might know where my name came from and how I'm connected to these songs or whatever. What what was, uh you know, we, we've had Lord on here, you know, uh, rest in peace, always a humble individual. Um, what was he like uh, uh, when you knew him, and what were your first impressions of him? Well... I met Lord early on, very, because I was telling you, Paul, that's Paul Nephew or whatever. So I met them as serial killers as through Gangster Pat as a backing band, whatever. He was in a, he was kind of interviewing them. And brought them to my house, Lord Infamous and DJ Paul. And they was called serial killers at the time. And he didn't necessarily like them, but I did, so I started recording them on the side. So that's how I even know Paul and Ricky. And we became friends, you know, and I wanted to help them guys and try it. That's why I was telling you about the song with Skinny Pimp. That was another episode of me. When I came, when I left and came back, Paul and got with Juicy, they started Profit Entertainment, and he was working on Skinny Pimp. He wanted me to come in and help, so I, I was there a willing participant. And when they finished King of the Players Ball, he asked me to pick a single. And I heard the whole album. And I told the guy to pull up a song I'm going to talk on it, and that's going to be the single. And that's how um, One Like to Live came about. I had nothing to do with the record, but they was trying to pick a single from that album and put it on the radio. Yeah. That's a... Uh legendary legendary record right there um you know what i'm saying it's a huge honor to have you on the show i got i got the homie sin from france i know he's got a few questions for you um <clears throat> sin you there brother he's a dj up there uh over there in france himself so i know he's gonna ask okay. you some questions great sin you there yes, yes. never been yeah i want to go sin. yeah <laughs> 
Yes, yes, uh, hi, hi. Uh, it's a, it's a real honor to have you on the show, yeah, DJ Josbond, because you are a legendary pioneer in Memphis. And uh, back in the day, I remember when I was in Memphis, see your mix at time when you was at Club Name Club Expo. So it was huge and crazy at time. <laughs> um, right. Um, did you started at time around uh, 1986? It's uh, on the public school club, no name. Do you remember when it when it started for you? No, I started. I started like I was telling them earlier. I started in '84, actually, as a seventh grade. Ah. I quit playing basketball and started in '84. So about '86, I was still honing my craft and going to school every day. Yeah. And do you remember when was created Club Name Club Expo, or there was club before, before these clubs? It was, it, that was the guys that was older than me. One of my mentors, Sonny D, was the author of that, him and Rady J and Disco Hound. They had the club No Name going on back then, but I was in, you know, that was really early on. Sonny D is like 10 years older than me, and Disco Hound and Rady J is even older, so... That I, I I I'm lucky to be able to be affiliated. Rest in peace with Sonny D. But he took me under yeah. his wing as a as a much younger guy. I'm talking about Expo came later in the '90s, but Club No Name was in the '80s. So same building, but um, Expo was a name for in the early '90s, maybe the late '80s. But it became his famous as club no name and that was really before my time i was a child at that point but i can you know answer some questions yeah, because, about it. because at times there were legendary memphis clubs uh there was studio g uh on uh, 380 uh bay street crystal palace when the when a dj juicy well, yeah, you can go back to, see, when you talk yeah. about that era, that's younger than me. So it's according yeah, yeah. to what era you want to talk about. Um, before me and Juicy, it was a whole scene. And then after us, and it became a scene with our generation. But that's what I right. never hear on most interviews that I, I hear people spearing out about Memphis. You talk to the young guys, and they can only explain their perspective, but... It, you have to talk to people that was there before them, and they're not old enough. That's why I tell you what I'm not old enough for and what I saw when I came around with hip-hop. Yeah. But that was b- before hip-hop, you going into something else that, you know. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of these guys you're talking about wasn't around to right, discuss right. Certain, certain years and certain dates with Memphis nightclubs. Yeah, Crystal Palace was huge at the time. And, yeah, and also, Crystal Palace opened up about yeah. 81. I, I was going there as a child, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you got also DJ Fowl's Space House in North Memphis and, uh, and uh, Juicy G's Place. Yeah, uh, you're going uh, to the 93, 94. You know, you're right. jumping around in, in years. <laughs> so, But, yeah, but... Yeah, I wasn't here for 93, 94. I came back in 95 after going to engineering school. So that, when you said Paul Playhouse and the other one, I remember them telling me about it, but 
I physically wasn't here at the time. Yeah, well, I was in Orlando, Florida. It's a 21 Century Club, too. Where I did just okay, now, I DJed that. That's, that's a club I DJed at my teenage club. That was, that was oh. 21st Century. Yeah. That was my 10th also- grade to, to, to uh, after I graduated nightclub I DJ that. It was teen it was a teen club then, twenty first century. Um right. shout out to Thomas Orris and Steve A. That's who really ran that in the outfit. And Andrew. Right. They were against the work born in Memphis around uh, nineteen eighty six and it was at first a Bourbon work due to to the Bourbon family it was wrong with the Winnie Roots started it in, in nineteen eighty six. So so where you were at clubs uh the people were into gangster work too at the time, right? It was crazy. Yeah, that was the very, very early versions of it. I would only say it got perfected around the early 90s and the sound and everything, but the 80s version of it was more like it's, yeah, it's gaining its form. But it really got its groove in the nineties. So when you had neighborhoods and crews and people showing up in clubs doing the, you know, going in a circle doing the gangster walk, oh, they they called it some things before then. So I would, you know, it was still forming then those years. So I would say when once it got its form around. 91, 92. That's right. more of the story of where the music came from than going back to the 80s because that was totally something different. That yeah. was just crews and neighborhoods going to the place, posse'd up. And, you know, the biggest guys at the time had a dance, and some people called it the Bovane Walk or whatever, you know, so. <laughs> but what you would call me about and want to talk about is some it it came from some after then. Yeah. And then Kuchi Evan tried to do the gangster work uh, when he he came in Memphis. Do you remember the story? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, the story was no. Uh, MC Hammer first did it on Arsenio Hall after he came here. And Too right. Short probably got the biggest story of seeing it for the first time. Too Short got that story, but um, MC Hammer came and got it as a dancer and did it on our senior hall. That's the earliest version that you see it on national TV. MC Hammer did oh. it on our senior hall. I can't think of what show and what song, but he he really explained it and talked about it then. But he had came here and saw it. Okay. You were really Memphis DJ legends at the time when you got Razor J, Don't Just Go Home, Spanish Fly, DJ Song, and Sonny you. D. So, no, Sonny D. Let me just tell you who the guys are. Let's put it in order. Um, yes, Sonny D was the first one yes. that does what I do before me. Nobody else. So you got Rady J, Disco Hound, those guys was the mic man. I'm talking about the man behind the mix. 
So you got probably Sonny D first. Then you got Spanish Fly after Sonny D. You know, then come me right around the same time with Spanish Fly. That's the order. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, uh, Take note. a lot of Take note. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> He's an encyclopedia of hip-hop, man, so he's going to throw all kinds <laughs> of stuff at you. But you, you see... Yeah, well, you, I'm trying, uh, I'm trying, this part one, this part one, let me not say too much, I don't want to offend nobody, but you ask me a direct question, I try to give you a direct answer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you got any more, Sin? Yeah, the, um, there were Memphis songs. Uh, was was crazy. Was a uh, freak master. Uh, Give me what you got. In Give me what you got for, for a pork chop. Yeah, that's right. that's the early nineties when it started. Exactly. Once the sound had got planted, the record started coming out. If you want to know, that was probably one of the first early ones. Other than oh, well, it came around the same time. Gangster Walk by um, Kid Money, KMS. Um, Kid Money, Gangster Walk. Um, give me what yeah. you got. I think because of the region of Memphis and New Orleans and the distribution of Memphis and the vibe that was going on, Freakmaster with Give Me What You Got probably was one of the earliest ones that got put on wax and got presented to the world. So. Give it up, right. Terry Turner, Freakmaster. That's my guy. Yeah, and his style also, Gangster in M3, was the first video where you can see the the dance of Gangster World. It was crazy at the time, and unique in Memphis. What video you said? Oh, G-Style. G-Style was the first one, because they was, they was dancers, right. too. Yeah, they... Yeah. Yeah, but um, if you look at Gangsta Pat, it's got to be somewhere in, in I'm the Gangsta first video with Gangsta Pat from here before G-Style. It had to be yeah. some kind of, because that was a Gangsta Walk record. You know, Gangsta Walk records was, you know, maybe a group, a handful of 30 songs, and these were noted, and, you know, and Gangsta Pat was, I'm the Gangsta, that was a Gangsta Walk record. I that, I think that was the first record on wax right. that had the, the vibe and the sound of the current situation here. So, yeah. Well, what was crazy in Memphis and clubs? It was it's it was like a dance, like a voodoo ritual in, in a circle. It was nobody else in in no Well, you had no mosh pits and you had <laughs> you had other different. Regions that has tribal, just call it African dance or something. Call it that. Yeah, right. You had, right. Yeah, you always have regions, different regions with groups of people. Second line in New Orleans, you got people walking around the streets with instruments, and they got a second line going on. So you always have call and response yeah. records, no matter what region you're in. Yeah, what are you up uh, to uh, nowadays, Jess Bourne? Like, uh, are you doing a lot of uh, you know, stuff of music nowadays? Or? Yeah, I've just still been gigging in Memphis. I moved back here right before COVID. COVID happened and changed everything. I've, I've been really depending and working off the work I've been doing for 38 years, bro. I'm still getting booked 
for fancy parties and I'm blessed to be able to live my life and come back to Memphis and people still love me and book me for my dates and but um probably the biggest thing that biggest story that can come out of this and we'll follow back this up next year in twenty three is um the last Kustanica album for Halloween twenty twenty three. I had Produced that album and worked with Coop and did some pretty cool things before he died. And since I'm back home, and that's probably the next thing musically I'm probably as a producer would come out and do. Because Coop had, rest in peace, Coop. Coop had some great records we recorded, and but you know, circumstance and everything, one thing led to another, and I'm gonna work with the estate and um. It's company to get that record out next year. Here's some fan here's some fans that if you go look up a song I did for him for um this album, it's called Slipping Part Two. Devil's Playground Two on YouTube. It's he he took a two track I gave him and went and made a video before he died and I yeah, I I was mad at the time but I'm glad now. Um so I'm gonna put this body of work out from Coop. And me and Tila are going to do some shows and stuff next year. Still working with the people. I produce a guy, Mr. Ian. Still working with the same group of guys out of Memphis trying to. Of course, you got the new generation that's doing their thing. Memphis is still hot with young MCs, and that's great. But there's room for everybody to have their seat at the table. So the legends can eat and the, and the young guys can eat. At the same time, and, and I'm about, you know, still trying to push Memphis culture forward. And because we still don't get the recognition right now, and there's some more stories got to be told to connect the dots. But, yeah, still putting that Memphis on the map, Tennessee on the map, because if most people don't think that, you know, because Memphis is connected so heavily, heavily to North Mississippi and in Arkansas, Memphis is a landlocked place, so it's a region. So think about yeah. it like Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. It's, it's not, most people would just look at it because they don't say Memphis, they say Tennessee, which is dumb as fuck. But Memphis is a whole nother, well, I, it's not dumb as fuck because Memphis is not, really not a part of Tennessee. It's really the biggest city in Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. So it's like the capital of all three states, which you don't have many reasons to have that. A lot of legendary shit, not just in music, but in other facets of entertainment came out of uh, Memphis. You know, that's where uh, Tyson got beat by uh, Lennox Lewis. That's where uh, yeah, that's Jerry where, King Lawler and Kaufman had that yeah. shit jump off, you know. Well, that's where they, that's where they found Machine Gun Kelly. That's where Elvis died. Yeah, that's where he got it's his so start. Much. At. That's what it's 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 so rich. That's where he killed King at. That's that's yeah, where they, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's Jerry Lee Lewis, rest in peace to the killer. You know. Yeah. He did his yes, thing here. Yes, Rest in peace. He just passed. You know, he just, he's, man, he was a killer. Yeah, he's, a, he's one of the. Uh, I, I he, him, uh, Fats Domino, and I'd say Ray Charles were the best piano players. 
you know. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that okay, era, that. you know. You can't forget about no, something check about. No, 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 of course not, of course not. Uh, man, huge honor to have you on the show. Uh, Sin, you got one more question before we close up shop, brother? Yeah, one more. You were also credited as engineer for Two Six Mafia's The End album, along like Onaras of Cotton Rose Studio, Slice Tia Mix, and Matt. And he was created also for Perfect Passy Body Parts album. Can you tell us about these two? And also, Back to Black, can it be? Yeah. I, um, I was a consultant with Paul and Juicy, and, and but I had came back from recording engineering school, and they engineer had a bad misfortune with them, and not only consulting them and trying to help them get on the radio, um, they needed an engineer at the time because they engineer had some issues with, you know, finishing what they was trying to get done. He called me, actually, on, it started on Can It Be? So when their engineer, t- we'll just call it, took a break. When their engineer took a break, I stepped in and recorded what needed to be finished, which was Can It Be? The End, and and from a batch of those records came out on maybe about seven different records of theirs. So I got engineering credit and my only probably gold plaque on my wall for the work I've done as an engineer is that album, um, World Domination 2. The end was one and number two was the gold album. What? I think it was World Domination Chapter, chapter chapter one was the end, and chapter two yeah. I think was world well done. Yeah, so those records I was recording on, doing the Gangsta Black Kenny B sessions and other things with Three Six Mafia and even Project Pat, um, recording all taking up the recording duties got me on about seven records of theirs, and just because I I was trying to help any kind of way to help these guys be successful. <laughs> you know, because just to push the Memphis, I and mean, I'm glad I did it because, shit, look at them today and Memphis music and look their influences kind of what they did, spun all this stuff that people are doing now. So I'm so happy to even be affiliated with even, you know, so and I get to eat and 38 years later, so it's all a blessing to see Memphis come back around. It's kind of like house music coming back around, which, well, stepping music coming back around from Chicago. And you live long enough, and be if the music is good, it comes back around, and people appreciate it and love it, and you can have interest all over again because, you know, Memphis music became something great. Do your yeah, God. Right. Paul and Juicy, you know, through all those records, but yeah, because what you was talking about, I started on Ken and B. That was the first album I came on, and I had never heard of Gangsta Black. And when Paul called, asked me to do that or help him finish that record, I was like, "Who was Gangsta Black?" He was like, One of my rappers, and I learned and got to love Black, and he was on a couple of compilations I produced, for Southern Invasion One and Two early on, and. Yeah. Yeah. So but how I got on them records was just basically standing me in for somebody that took some time off and 
they needed an engineer. And I, and, I, <laughs> and the Lord, good Lord had sent me to school to learn how to do it. So I was able to take the job and get a check. Yeah, and the last oh, question, yeah. remember the, the first time you, you put that club up in club, what was the reaction the first time? <laughs> what club? Tell club up when you you played the first time in club. What was oh, the what reaction? Was the reaction? What was the reaction? <laughs> the first time. Is that what you said? Which song? Uh, Tell that club up of three six. Tell the club up for three six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was back then. <laughs> the club owners didn't want us to play that as a DJ. The, the club owners didn't want us to play that song up because that fucked the party up. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't never get a chance to play that song much because oh. I was, okay. <laughs> yeah, because people didn't want the party to end that was hiring me. So when that, when I was setting up, they said, don't play Tear the Club up. So I, <laughs> I didn't play that song that much. <laughs> yeah, you don't want Tear the Club. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there goes the guy. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> we. Hey, if I'm here to get a check and I want these people to get one too, we ain't gonna play yeah. no song like that. Yeah. As a DJ now. It's <laughs> like uh, in Detroit when uh, um, they told NWA don't don't play fuck the police. Right. You know they're right. there to sneak it in there somewhere. You know, uh, classic. Hey, DJ Just Born, I want to thank you, uh, man. It was a huge honor to have you on this uh, show tonight and to chop it up with Well, you thank you, guys. We've been trying to do it for a while, and now I was honored to say, hey, this year is great. Let's do it. So, man, let's yeah, do it again. It's part one. Come back, part two. Let's do it again when I come back next year. And thank you. Thank you, Alfred. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Well, anytime. 